0: We are excited to introduce to you Prophetic Edge, where we are going to be digging into the revelation of God's Word and what it looks like to walk in victory through the Word of God. Whenever God is ready to move in Scripture and bring victory to people, He always brings a fresh edge of revelation. Tonight we're going to dig into the first part of this and I hope you're ready for those who are taking notes You're gonna be taking them fast (laughs) Because there's much to share This last year i'm just going to talk for a minute has been a marvelous journey of watching the glory of god unfold We've seen the lord do some things that i've never seen him do in all my life I've also recognized that many of you understand this The life of the prophetic is an unfolding story of what god is doing For those of you that you know God speaks to you regularly, your life becomes a living story. Your life is the book in which he speaks to you. The word is the written word by which God reveals himself to you to transform you. But your life becomes the living testimony. So when God wants to do something, he turns your life into the example of what he's trying to teach you. So when you have something happen four and five times, he's trying to teach you something specific. The word is teaching you principles. Your life is revealing process. If you pay attention to what keeps happening in your own life, you'll learn the process by which God is trying to train you. Why does this happen four or five times? Why do my children all go through this? How come every time I'm about to break through we have this issue? Because the thing you keep facing is what you need to conquer. And once you conquer it, it becomes your ministry. If you don't conquer it, it will always be your process. Once you conquer it, it becomes your platform. Once you conquer a thing, it becomes the platform you stand on so that your voice can be heard. But if you never conquer it, it becomes the fight you live in where you, li- where you become frustrated. Most Christians are frustrated because they never conquer the thing they were supposed to conquer. because no one taught us process process is necessary in your walk with God because until you learn process we are immature these last few years have been a revelation to the body of Christ about maturity for many of us we either became more mature or we got stuck in kindergarten these last seven years there are believers who have been walking with God 30 years. You've got miracle signs and wonders, but you are 12 years old in the spirit. Because the moment someone offends you, you're complaining and gossiping your own Facebook, your own Instagram, you're retweeting every slur and slander and angry thing you can find because you are a 12 year old. You are a teenager with a weapon in your hand instead of an adult with peace in your spirit. And trouble reveals your age emotionally. I'm going to say that again. Trouble reveals your age emotionally. No matter how old you are in the natural, how you act emotionally is your real age. Some of y'all are sitting in this room and you're 50 in your body, but you are 15 in your spirit. Because you've never gotten past gossip. You've never graduated past slander. You still are throwing fits and tantrums. You still think you have the right to destroy people with your tongue. You're a teenager You're a tyrant. You got an attitude. You have not matured. That's why God won't trust you with glory That's why you're asking God for miracles and you get a few healings But miracles don't follow you because teenagers don't walk with miracles Ah, You're not hearing me today I didn't say a teenager in your natural spirit because you can be 14 in your natural body, but be 40 in your spirit because you've learned to trust in God. It's not about the natural age. He said to Timothy, let no man judge you in your youth nor in your natural body, for it's about your spirit man. So your spirit can be much older than your body. But some of you, your soul is much younger than your flesh because you won't let God process you. It's a terrible thing to be 60 in your body and 16 in your soul. It's an awful thing. And where we are right now in the spirit and where we're about to go in some of this teaching is the recognition that in this hour, God is demanding that we grow up. Because we cannot bring the move of God to cities and to nations while we are still losing control of our soul. You cannot master what you will not admit is out of control. You cannot conquer what you agree with. You cannot cast out what's in you. (laughs) Hear what I'm saying. What you give permission to live in you willingly, you will never cast out on purpose. That's why it takes someone discerning the thing and saying, do you know that's still in you? Because what you give permission to to dwell in you regularly will control you eventually Look at somebody and say is he talking to you? Now look at the other person and say he's talking to you <laughs> I'm just gonna help you say it so you don't have to lie in the house of God. I'm talking to you Because the key to power in the spirit of God power is not gained because you asked for it Oh Power was given By Jesus it's not gained because you asked for it. It was given as a gift But it is manifested by your agreement with truth So everyone in this room that is born again, you got dynamite in your spirit But your ability to access that dynamite is connected to how you yield to truth When you refuse to yield to truth that is given to you that power that's in you will not move for you Because you will always take credit for what God does while you are immature You will post every healing and say look at what I did You will record every prophetic word and say listen to the word I gave you will not give God the glory You will take the glory because you are convinced God chose you because you're special Not because the blood made you equal but because you somehow are different and the arrogance of pride has separated us from the move of God So now in this hour, we're in God is calling us back to a real move of God and the real move of God requires humility. I hadn't even gotten to the scripture yet, but is this helping anybody? Okay. So in this year, the Lord has said to me a few things and we're going to get to the passage. But the Lord said to me, you're going to share the passage, but I need you to share three encounters you've had this year. Some of you have heard these but I'm going to string them together because they go with where we're going. The book we're going to be out of looking at is Habakkuk. Habakkuk, Debbie and I have been talking, once the Lord began to reveal this, when I'll talk to Debbie, she'll go, this Habakkuk passage, let me tell you something. This thing is gonna blow your mind, shift your thinking because the word we're looking at for this year is out of Habakkuk. But the first thing you have to understand that God is saying is number one, When the Lord first visited me in 2022, and he was talking about the coming year, the first visitation I had, I don't tell these much. I'm telling them more now. I realize I'm almost 50 years old. And I'm telling more visitations now because for the last 25 years of God visiting me in supernatural ways, I don't tell them much. Here's why. I think people make the visitation of God cheap. When you talk about what God is doing before it can go deep in you, you cheapen the revelation and you abort its mission. The visitation of God is not so that you can have a story, but so that you can be transformed. And everybody who is always saying God visited me today and here's what happened. You have not yet left kindergarten. Children draw a different picture every day and go, mommy, mommy, put this on the refrigerator. Here's what I saw. That's what a child does. Adults sit in a room quietly and keep working on the painting until they come up with a masterpiece. When God visits you, every visitation is another brushstroke. He is putting another piece of the glory upon your life so that at the end of this, there is a masterpiece you can see where the revelation of him becomes clear in your eyes. That revelation of him will produce something in you that becomes ministry, that becomes power, that becomes glory. The glory cannot take root where time is not given for understanding. Glory cannot take root where time is not given for understanding. In other words, the enemy does not have to get you into sin. He just has to get you to move so quick after the revelation that you make it cheap. He just has to get you telling everybody what you saw before you even understand what you saw. He gets you tweeting to everybody about the visitation instead of understanding the visitation. The Bible says when the Lord visited the prophets, many times they put this chair here so I could rest because they know I I wasn't feeling well for a couple of weeks. But I'm feeling much better. I'm going to stand for a minute. The Holy Ghost is helping me. I'm telling you something. See, when I talk about your life becomes a process, this year was unique to me. We can leave the chair because I'm going to teach from the chair, but I'm going to walk for a minute. This is good because that means Tony can work that camera for a minute. I'm going to stop right there because I know, I know, Tony, I know what's going to happen next. Your life becomes a process. Now, in this season, I've had more divine visitations from God in 2022, and I've had more moments of sickness. I am not a sick person. I don't get sick a lot. And yet in 2022, I got laid out more times than I can recount. And I said, God, this makes no sense. And the Lord finally spoke to me. He said, do you understand what's going on? I said, no. He said, I'm going to help you. He said, it's not the enemy. He said, I'm trying to get your attention because you're running to places I didn't tell you to go. To help people who don't want to change. And it's wearying you. And the grace that would normally surround you only works if you're where I told you to be. He said, so as much as you hear me and as much as you follow me and as much as you have heard my voice all these years, you have become inundated with becoming people's answer. He said, and if you're their answer, I'm not your help. He said, because only I can deliver them. He said, I didn't tell you to go deliver them. I told you to send the word. He said, but you thought they needed to hear you. So you got on a plane to go help people who were not ready to change. He said, so in the wrong place with the wrong people, he said, I have to let you reap your own rebellion. I said, Lord, I was rebellious. He said, oh, that was rebellion." Because I told you to send a teaching, not go teach. Oh, I told you tonight's going to be different. And I asked the Lord, why are you talking to me like this? He said, because I need you to understand for the next season that's coming. Too many of my people are out of position. Because they have become slaves to everybody else's desires. He said, I've asked some people to just spend time with me in prayer so that I can order out their next season. They won't get still in prayer because someone in their family keeps saying, but I need you to come. So they spend all of their time helping someone who's refused to change. He said, I've got others that I've told them to sit with me and worship and I'm going to give them new songs and new sounds. But they never get still with me to sit still because everybody else wants them to come and play for them. He said, I need some of the intercessors to spend time with me in prayer, but they can't pray for me because they're praying for family members who should be praying for themselves. So we become professionally distracted. And we have built a mindset in the kingdom of God where none of us are doing our own assignment because we are letting everybody else tell us what they need. We are codependent Christians. And we've wrapped ourselves up in becoming someone else's answer instead of leading them to the cross. There is no one you can save. Only Christ can save. There is no one you can deliver. Only God delivers. There is no one you know that by your wisdom, your intellect, your strength, or your strategy, you can snatch them out of hell, pull them out of addiction, turn their life around. It takes the power of the Holy Ghost. And we must become ready to get back in the presence of God because we've left the presence to become everyone's answer. The Bible says what made the New Testament church amazing is they first ministered unto the Lord. And out of their ministry to God, they were electrified. They were put on power by God. They were full of fire. And out of their ministry to God, when they walked in front of the people, God moved for the people because they moved for God. We must become those again who are face to face with the master. So what is this whole word about? the first thing the Lord said to me in 2022 that began to shake me and I didn't put these three things together was he said to me the first, he said, I need you to understand you cannot do it the way you've done it. I didn't understand what he was saying, but he kept saying to me, you cannot do it the way you've done it. I said, what does that mean? He said, you must begin to recognize that the way you have approached me in the past, the way you've done church, The way you've talked about my name, the way you've ministered, it will not work in the future. Oh, now I I want you to hold on now. okay? now we all say yes and amen to this. I promise I'm about to break some of this down. Is this okay so far? But it was life changing to me because I was telling everyone this word and sharing it with people and sending it to people. And one night the Lord woke me up and said, you have no idea what I'm talking about. I'm trying to be as honest as I've ever been because these last two months have been life-changing for me The Lord said to me you have no idea what I'm talking about. I said yes Lord. He said you're teaching kingdom You're talking kingdom you're walking kingdom and you have no idea the depth of the kingdom. I Said what is the depth of the kingdom? That's when he began to speak to me He said the kingdom doesn't look anything like what y'all call church. He said, there is no person on the planet that I don't love. None. He said, there is not one sinner. There is not one person, not an atheist. He said, there is no one walking the planet today that I do not love dearly. He said, but church does not make room for any of those people. He said, depending on how they walk in. Now, when I say this, I need y'all to not get in your head. I'm talking about your church. I'm talking about church universal. Okay. We do not have in our mindset a space made for people who don't fit what we call church ready. The kingdom is given to transform the world. That means God is after the people in the world that make you shudder. The people in the world whose sin keeps you up at night. The people in the world that when you see them on the street, you cross the other side. The people in the world that when you hear about them on TV, you go, oh, them. The people in the world that when their sin, their issue, their mess gets in front of you, you get so irritated, you go, we just don't need them around. And those are the ones that the Lord is demanding that you make space for. some of us right here in this room right now you're struggling with that you're getting queasy right now because you got in the back of your mind yeah that sounds good but if I see them, if I run into them, then you have a heart issue not a religious issue you have a heart issue because if your heart cannot make room for someone else that God loves you are outside the kingdom you might be in religion but you're outside the kingdom So the Lord said to me, I need you to understand you do not understand the fullness of the kingdom because I am going to send you to people that a few years ago you wouldn't be in the room with. And I need you to walk in and love them like I love them. He said, can you do that? I said, if you help me, I can. Then he asked me a question. What will you do? If tomorrow. I fill every seat in the church with somebody who's doing the thing you can't stand. (laughs) This has to do with the prophetic word where we're going. I said, Lord, what do you mean? He said the Jesus movement when it hit, it was revelatory, but it was explosive in nature because when the Jesus move hit, it was hippies getting born again. The church, when the Jesus move first hit, the church could not receive that revival in its early days because they couldn't understand why the hippies were getting saved, but they still had on flip-flops, long hair, and wearing beads. How many of y'all remember? Some of y'all are old enough, y'all were there. All right. <laughs> I mean, stop lying. You know you was grown back then. Ha-ha! <laughs> My mama had me like this. Some of y'all was out of college. So, all right. (laughs) You ain't old, but you getting close. So what? (laughs) Now, here's the thing. We remember that move of God, but we have forgotten what it felt like for our parents. The Jesus move for them was almost an enemy to their religion. They suddenly had a church full of folk that smelt like weed. Come on. They, they've been used to everybody wearing three piece suits and wearing a jacket, and now there's a church full of folks wearing flip flops and sandals and shorts. They've been used to everybody speaking biblical language, and now the church is full of people going, dude, what's up, man? So you have to understand so that means the real move of God will insult the previous move of God. The present move of God will insult the previous move of God because it will be so different than what God has done those who are convinced in their mind that it has to be a certain way will fight what God is about to do. So my question is Are you sensitive enough to the Holy Spirit that you're not going to fight what he's about to do? So if God suddenly brings into this church, into your churches, into the churches represented, young people that from one end to the other, they're tattooed up one side and down the other, earrings in the nose, in the ears, that we've got... When they first come in, we got boys coming in wearing skirts and we got girls coming in wearing men's clothes. That when they first come in, they're going to look like they just came out of the club and their clothes are too tight and we can see their future because their clothes are so tight. That's That's the nicest way I can say it. Are you actually ready or are you going to meet them at the door and try to clean them, fix them, baptize them, and correct them before God can deal with their heart? Are we the next generation of Pharisees and Sadducees? Or are we really ready for revival? There is a move of God coming that is going to require us to get out of God's way. There is a move of God coming that is going to require us to recognize every soul matters. There's a move of God coming that is beyond color and culture, ethnic group, socio-economic background. It is beyond what nation you come from or how you got into this nation. There's a move of God that is more important to whether you came through a river, underneath a gate, overneath a bridge, however you got here. Now that you're here, and God begins to touch you, will we let God move? Yeah. So the question becomes, are we ready to become the principal voices of revival? Or are we going to be the wall that blocks the move of God, the people that fight the next generation, the ones that ask God not to move because God bring revival, but not through them. So I'm asking for real. Because this year is the sparking of a move of God. This year, God is about to break out in places that we are not ready for. I know what he's been telling me. He's been asking me, will you go to the places I suddenly show you? Will you go to sudden cities that are going to break out in turmoil when they're fighting? Will you go when I let them begin to fight in the street? Will you get a team and go and preach and prop? And I said, send me, I'll go. This year is different for me. We've already got an invitation to some countries where the rest of y'all don't want to go. And I intend to get on the plane and go. I'm going because I told the Lord, send me where they don't want to go. So this whole idea, whoo, I know this is, this is different than I've ever done this thing. I, I apologize if this ain't, whoo, Lord have mercy. I feel like I'm about to run around this room. If I need to, can I run? Is it all right? All right. So this year is going to be so unique. So God is calling us to understand. So the first thing he said to me, he said, you need to understand that you're not seeing it like I see it. Jeremiah chapter one. The first thing that has to be understood for this year is you must let God purify your vision. For every person in this room, God has given you a a way to see him and to perceive him. Jeremiah chapter one, the Lord says to him, Jeremiah, what seest thou? Now, the book of Jeremiah is essential understanding. If you are called to the prophetic, you have to understand the book of Jeremiah. If you don't understand the book of Jeremiah, you will always misunderstand prophetic. Jeremiah chapter one is a prophetic mind, prophetic mind. To have a prophetic mindset, you have to think like God thinks. So God says to Jeremiah, first of all, he says, what do you see? That word see there means to perceive, but the word see and the word almond are almost the same word in the Hebrew. Now, why is this important? He says, what do you see? He said, I see an almond tree. The word almond is the same, almost the same word in Hebrew for see. Why? Because when they would... Create the word see. Every Hebraic word has a picture. Well, the picture of the eye looks like an almond. So when he says, what do you see? He said, I see an almond tree. In other words, I see a structure that has grown out of what you created. And every branch has the ability to see. I see an almond tree. I see something planted into you the structure is you the foundation is you you are the maker and master of all things you are the formulator of the earth you are the first gardener of the galaxy you are the creator of creation so you made the earth and all that is in it and God made the earth and on that day trees came forth you made the first almond tree so God says you made the almond and the almond tree I see something that from the root to the top it can see everywhere it looks. I see something with the ability to perceive on every branch. Ah, what's that talking about? The kingdom of God. That from Abraham all the way to David, from Adam all the way to Jesus, every generation saw another revelation of God. I see an almond tree. I see something that on every branch it sees you in another way. I see something that every way we turn like angels in heaven. Holy, holy, holy revelation is released because we are all part of the same root. One tree, many revelations. I see an almond tree. God says you've well seen. Now I will hasten my word to perform it. So what does this mean? The the foundation of the prophetic is this. Your vision is not mature until you see what he sees. Your vision is not mature until you see what he sees. In other words, when you keep telling God you see trouble, but you never tell God you see answers, you're still immature. When you tell God you see devils, but you never tell God you see angels with armor, you are immature. When you tell God you see the sickness, but you never see the, he- the healing, you are immature. Because maturity in the kingdom is I see the answer bigger than the problem. So what level of maturity are you carrying? In 2023, you have got to let your vision go bigger than your trauma. Your vision must exceed your trauma last year the last few years It's been about our trauma our trouble what we were going through. That's what we talked about We talked about what we lost we talked about what we suffered. We talked about the problems We talked about the nation, but we didn't talk about answers. We didn't talk about breakthrough We didn't talk about freedom. We didn't talk about the glory God says in this hour I need my people to change their vision and talk about answers So before you tweet it, make sure you're tweeting an answer and not a problem. Before you Facebook it, Facebook an answer. Before you get out there into social media and talk about how bad it is, talk about how good he is. Put an answer on the end of that. Let that branch that's growing out of you have an answer on the end of it. You are part of an almond tree. You are full of perception from God. Everywhere you grow, there's another answer. Every time you open your mouth, he's showing you a new revelation. Every time you pray, he's showing you a new vision of himself. If you choose to see, he will let you see. So he says to Jeremiah, you tell me what you see. Because heaven, heaven's vision is right. God says up here, we got nothing but victory. Up here, everything is cool. Up here, I know you are not want the battle. Up here, I see angels all around you. The problem is not up here, the problem is can you see what I see? So can you see what I see? Now, I'm gonna go somewhere with this. This is why complaining is so dangerous i want to talk to you some in the room who y'all are professional complainers you are professional complainers you just talk about everybody like they a dog on a hunt you mad at everybody you think the world is awful the world is going down if the wind blow the wind was chasing you it was against you if a leaf hit your window the devil threw a leaf at me Your dog barked twice and you like, come out of him. No, dogs bark, (laughs) baby. Take your Xanax and go to bed. (laughs) That's not the devil. You just need to up your medication because you. (laughs) Now, here's why complaining is so it's so dangerous. Every time you complain. You reveal to God that you refuse to see it his way. I want that to settle on you. Because we don't understand how big complaining is because that's why when they complained in the Old Testament, God decided everybody who complains has to be left behind. Why? Because what did he say? He said, every time you complain, you don't sanctify me. What is that word sanctify? It literally means you don't set me above everything else. When you choose to complain, and it's a choice. When you choose to complain, when you choose to gripe, when you choose to grumble all the time. You are literally saying to the enemy, I believe you more than God. And you're inviting him to stay. People don't teach this anymore. That's why we messed up. (laughs) I got taught this when I was growing up. I would start to complain and my father would say, hold up. Before that next word comes out your mouth, remember, you're gonna need a miracle tomorrow. He said, and God lives in praise. Don't steal from God the atmosphere he needs to move for you. In this next year, there is coming a series of events on the world stage and in our nation that is going to be so sudden that it will be overwhelming if we're not prepared. And when you let complaining and grumbling be normal out of your mouth, what it does is, it removes from you the ability to pull a quick miracle. Because you have to rebuild the platform of praise. This is why, hear how I say this, this is why, and I'm not trying to single her out, but I adore Sheila. Sheila Martin is one of my favorite people on the planet. I love this woman of God. Every time Sheila opens her mouth to worship, I feel a wave that just hits me. Now, that's because she lives there. This is not something Sheila does when she gets in front of people. This is how she wakes up. She wakes up worshiping. Connie's the same way. Connie Connie will open her mouth and I just feel like God is in the room. See, you live there. Now, what's the difference? When you live in the place of praise. You don't have to get anointed. You are anointed. You have to stay there. It's a choice you make. Somewhere in your world you make a choice that I'm going to stay anointed. I'm going to stay connected to the flow. How do you get there? Stop complaining. Stop complaining. You can't have bitter water and sweet water. And oh, I'm trying to get past this. My God, I can't believe I'm still talking about this. Is this helping anybody? Okay. This is essential for this next year. It is going to help some of you get through it quicker. For those in the room who are always saying, but you know, this is just how I process stuff. Then change the way you process. Because your excuse has become your bondage. I just need to process this before I can move on. Then stay stuck in that torment. And that torment will keep owning you. It's a choice. And for the people of God, somehow we have gotten into the place where we have lost the ability to have supernatural breakthrough quickly because we have let our tongue be owned by the adversary. Take your mouth back, give it back to the Father, give your tongue back to the Master, and let the joy of the Lord become your confession. You're a winner you got victory in you I love it when people say you don't know what I've been through you don't know what I've been through so let's get (laughs) past all that (laughs) (laughs) before you come up to me with the next dumb thing you don't know what I've been through Michael so I can't you don't know you ain't know what I've been through (laughs) we say dumb stuff all the time we just we like being dumb Some people just bathe in stupid, just bathe in it, just Lord Jesus, just swim around in crazy. <laughs> but eventually, you have to admit if you want to change, do something different. If you don't, be stuck. Because what I've realized over this last season is I can't get stuck because you're stuck. We're not doing this any longer. If you want to be stuck, we'll wave at you on the way to the mountain. We will send you selfies from the top of glory. You'll get a box of blessings shipped once a year with some brand new pears and apples. Like your Christmas gift. This is what it looks like up here. But you chose to stay down here. Because somewhere we've got to recognize that we have to stop Slowing down for those who refuse to change If you want it you can have it It's a choice Now I'm not talking about for those who are learning Learning will always say you're going to stumble You're going to fumble There's going to be issues And we disciple those who are learning But for those who have been in the kingdom long enough to make different choices and you like being stuck so that you can get attention so that you can suck up the room and make it all about you, we are not slowing down for you anymore. Because that's just flat rebellion. That is you staying in your flesh so that you can own the rest of the room. And we are not doing that anymore. Ooh, y'all quiet and looking at me now. I said what I said. I said, I'm not a pastor, I'm a prophet. I mean to step on feet, break toes, and look you in the face when I did it. We're not slowing down for you. Because that's how you own a generation and keep them from growing, is to make it all emotional. If you just love me, you wouldn't talk to me like that. No, because I love you, I need you to shift Because I don't want you to drown in front of me. So the Lord woke me up one night. He said, don't let people drown in front of you. Tell them the truth. He said, too many are drowning on purpose. Tell them the truth. Okay. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe. Okay. Let's jump into this. We're getting out of here in a moment. Is this all right for a few minutes? Okay. Woo. I hadn't seen some of y'all in like three months. So I just. (laughs) And when the Lord said that to me about you've got to change your mind, I'm going to tell you what he did. He took me on a journey. I was in the house recovering from the last bout of illness that I had. My lungs were being restored in essence. Uh, Found out that I had had a continual lung infection for months and didn't know it. Had picked it up on my last trip down to Mexico. And thought I was having allergies and had a lung infection that had set itself up in my lungs and in my sinuses. And pretty much was just taking my breath and I was getting worse and worse and didn't know it. And finally, went to a doctor and and they began to (laughs) examine me. And I like what the doctor said. The doctor said, your problem is every time you get a little better, you say you're healed. He said, and you jump on the plane and you just take off somewhere. He said, you're not healed until you take the last of the medication and sit out. And I realized at that point, now hear what I'm saying. I realized at that point that I had spiritualized a natural situation. I want you to hear me. There is a thing we have done in our walk with God where we keep spiritualizing a natural process. You don't need deliverance, you just need to drink water. You don't need a miracle, eat some lettuce. You ain't got a devil. You 400 pounds. That is not a devil. That's you. Put the fork down. (laughs) Get on a treadmill. (laughs) See, we've spiritualized situations. Now, this is why it's important. It has made us unable to change situations. Because instead of us Doing the part that God needed us to do we made everything spiritual So we stepped outside of the truth of the kingdom because wherever a lie is received truth is rejected So when you start to receive lies about your own natural body Well, this is just the devil. It's nothing I can do about it. Okay, now there's gonna be something that happens spiritually Where the enemy comes to mess with you or mess with your mind or you're not sleeping good at night Well, now you don't even rebuke that because it's not the devil. This is just an issue Now something happens with your kids and you're not casting the devil out of your house because you've gotten used to your body breaking down You've gotten used to no peace at night So now you get used to a marriage that's falling apart or kids who aren't doing well I just don't want my kids in jail. I don't care if they serve god. I just don't want them in jail So we start pushing the boundaries further and further because in our mind we stop taking dominion. And all we want to do is survive. So in the kingdom of God, you cannot walk with God in the kingdom unless you have a dominion mindset. A dominion mindset is I'm going to take territory. You cannot take territory without truth. So every time we ignore truth and receive a lie, we give up territory. So what has happened to us is over time, we've been convinced by the enemy to swallow little lies. And the little lies have eroded the level of our dominion. You lost dominion over your body because you began to believe little lies. I can't do anything about this. This is just how my family is. We've always, this affected my mother and my grandmother. It's in my DNA. I love this lie. We just got big bones in my family. You ain't never seen a fat skeleton. Ah, Big bones. When have you seen a fat skeleton? But don't we say it Jeff? we see what happens is now This is how you know a lie has made it in when your language accepts the lie The lie has power So we say things like this this generation isn't gonna change We say things like this we just have to accept what's going on in our nation We say things like this. It's just people being people. And until we figure something different out, we just got to deal with politics as they are. So we make statements instead of saying, no, we need righteous folks. So we gave up on the righteous. Now we just argue about whoever's less evil. (laughs) We gave up on breakthrough. Now we just want a good service. I'm talking good we gave up on miracles now we just want the Lord to just touch somebody so if someone falls out in the prayer line we call that a good service but we should be having wheelchairs empty I remember we were in Nevada we were praying for the sick as we were going down the line i prayed for some people and it was Danny and Wendy and Connie. And Danny goes back over to the woman and she says, do you believe what the man of God just said over you? And the woman in the wheelchair goes, yes. And Danny says, then get out of the wheelchair. And she grabs the woman and pulls. And when they pull the woman up out the wheelchair, the woman gets up. Now the woman starts walking. Is this not true? Now the woman starts walking all over the place and the people lose their mind. The husband comes back. Was it the next day? He he comes back. That's right. And he says these words. He says, my wife has been walking out of that wheelchair ever since. Yeah, amen. Now, we saw that. Here's what I'm saying. The difference was we put a demand on that word. We didn't stop with, and they didn't stop because I was still praying for people. They didn't stop with the idea of it was a good prayer. Their mindset was once the prayer is prayed and the declaration has gone forth, the prophetic has done its job. Now somebody has to release another level of faith to make people agree. So they grabbed the woman and said, did you believe the word? Yes. Then get out of the wheelchair and she gets up. We were in the Philippines and a man who had been absolutely crippled, completely immobile for 31 years. His wife rolled him into the meeting. When they brought him into the meeting, I'm up praying for people. We had already laid hands on about 100 people. Blind eyes opening, deaf ears opening. I'm walking by this man. And Pastor June was walking down the aisle. And I laid hands on the man. and I said, you're going to walk. And I kept walking. The man is still in the wheelchair. Pastor June said, what? Pastor June turns and says, he just said, you're going to walk. Do you believe the word of the Lord? The man says, yes. Pastor June grabbed him by his hand and began to sing. Rise and be healed in the name of Jesus. And he starts pulling the man. Now he pulls the man and the man is falling. And he looks at the man and said, walk. I said, oh, he yelled at the cripple. So I I kept praying on the other side of the room. I said, you know, if the man fall out, at least I'm not standing there when he fall out. Now, I'm saying that is a joke. I believe in miracles. And so as we declared that, see, I'm convinced if the word is released, the prophet did their job. Somebody is supposed to then activate their faith. What we don't do often in this atmosphere is push the faith. Because we've been conditioned to believe nothing's going to happen. And we don't want to be embarrassed if nothing happens. So we all shut down our faith because we don't want to be the person that prayed twice and nothing changed. So to protect our pride, we don't connect with God. Ah. But somebody has to stir their faith for the working of miracles. How do you work a miracle? You have to work the miracle. It requires work. You've got to do something. You've got to push into it. 2023 is going to be, this is where I'm going with this, 2023 is going to be the year of the return of the working of miracles. Not healing, the return of the working of miracles. Healing has been with us in a strong way. Thank God for Bethel and many of the churches that taught on healing, healing in the prophetic, because the healing wave of God for about 15 to 20 years has been solid over the nation. But what we haven't seen is a strong wave of the working of miracles. There must be a return of the working of miracles. And the Lord's been saying to me for four months, I will restore the working of miracles. What does that mean? Two things. For those that have been moving in healing or you have been hearing a strong prophetic call of God on you that you're going to see miracles. You've been dreaming about wheelchairs being empty. You've been seeing in your spirit blind eyes opening. God is calling you to begin to understand it will require you to activate something. So for some of you, not all of you, but for some of you in this room right now, this word is for you. That God is saying to you this year, you've got to risk your faith. You are going to be standing in front of people and as the Lord begins to move suddenly you're going to hear the Lord say do this that is the working of the miracle. If you do what he says that's the work he then sends the miracle working of miracles this year is the return of the working of miracles work with him. It is not in your mind. It is not emotion. It is not you trying to be loud in the room. It is that the Holy Spirit will suddenly show you what to do. And if you do what he shows you at that moment, he will work the miracle. This is the year for that. The returning of the working of miracles. The second that goes with that. I haven't even got to the scripture. Good God Almighty. The second that goes with that is this is the year where there shall be an increase of the spirit of discernment. To the point that some of you are going to be terrified by the depth and degree by which God reveals things to you. So let me say three things that go with that. Number one, when God increases discernment, he also increases humility. Because if your heart does not break for that which God reveals to you, Arrogance will take over and arrogance will lead to pride and pride will divide. So God will salt your heart with humility. How does humility show up in tears and in intercession, in tears and in intercession in this year that we are stepping into now? Many of you, your tears have increased. How many of you know, it's like in the last couple of months, your tears have increased. You're crying for no good reason, just weeping all the time. Okay. That is God softening your heart so that as he begins to increase discernment, the tears have laid a pathway so that you don't judge what you see, but you pray for what you see. So God had to soften our hearts with tears. So do not become judgmental intercede. Now this takes us, this takes us to a And I'm going to, we're going to let you go in a, in a few minutes, cause we're going to be back here in the morning. I haven't even gotten to the third thing we had written down. Okay. Turn to Habakkuk chapter three. Is this helping anybody so far? Is it? Okay, good. Habakkuk chapter three. This is one of my favorite passages. Habakkuk chapter 3, it says this, A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet upon Shigonoth. O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known in wrath, remember mercy. God came from Timon, and the Holy One from Mount Paran, Selah. His glory covered the heavens and the earth was full of his praise and his brightness was as the light. He had horns coming out of his hand and there was the hiding of his power. Before him went the pestilence and burning coals went forth at his feet. He stood and measured the earth. He beheld and drove asunder the nations and the everlasting mountains were scattered. The perpetual hills did bow. His ways are everlasting. This is an amazing passage. First of all, you ask yourself, what does this have to do with 2023? I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you. But just the passage is amazing. We're gonna break this down, but I want you to look at verse one. A prayer of Habakkuk. The prophet, a prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet. We're just gonna stop right there for a moment. The first thing that we have to understand is that God is reminding us, and part of what I believe this next year is about is there must be a rebirthing of prophetic prayer. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet. He makes it clear in this that the prayer came from a prophet. He didn't have to list it this way It could have simply said and Habakkuk began to pray. It doesn't say it that way We already know Habakkuk is a prophet because in chapter 1 it issues out his calling and his anointing We know he's a prophet. So why does it say it again? So clearly because God is making clear something that we have to tie together Every prophet should be an intercessor. Every prophet should be an intercessor. If you are moving in the prophetic, if you are called to the prophetic, if you are prophetic in worship, in praise, in ministry, your first assignment from God is prayer. Not speaking to people, speaking to him. Prayer is your conversation with God, not your ministry to the people. The prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, a prophet to the nation, and the thing that made it most important was he was talking to God. We have lost something unique that has caused the prophetic in our generation to, I believe, take on a... Semblance of something that should never have been The prophetic doesn't look like what it should look like biblically Because we we've, we've become more interested in talking to people than talking to god Everything that we get taught about the prophetic is about how do you get a word to speak to people Look at someone and tell me what you see Ask god for a word for them sit and say what the lord is speaking over them See what the lord will reveal about the city and the nation everything is about talking out The primary life of a prophet was five to ten times a year. He might stand on a hill in front of people and prophesy. But the other three hundred and fifty days he was in a cave talking to God. For every one day in front of people, there should have been ten days alone with God. The prophetic does not look like it's supposed to look like because instead of us becoming people consumed with God who get to speak to humanity, we are people consumed with humanity who occasionally talk to God. The life of a prophet is supposed to be in the face of God. And from that intimate encounter with the Almighty, God breathes into your nostrils his nature he writes upon your tongue his word he speaks in your ear his truth and out of that encounter you come out and say the lord would say to you and his word through you echoes in their head and in their heart until it changes them they are etched upon their heart by the finger of God, it is burned into their spirit by the power of the Holy Ghost until they can never again be the same. And we do not have that happening because we have become performers who are more interested in convincing the people than laying on our face before God. God says Habakkuk, the prophet was lost in prayer. Oh, where are the prophets who are lost in prayer? Where are the ministers who are not so consumed with getting the mic? They just want to lay at the feet of God. Where are those who will whisper in the face of Jesus until he writes new words upon their minds? Where are those who will sit with him until the worship of God begins to bubble up out of your chest and across your lips? So that when you speak, nations begin to tremble because there's fire in your bosom. Where are the prophets of God? That is real ministry. Not this stuff about putting a word out every 10 minutes, but those that will burn in his presence until he burns in their belly. Where are the real prophets? Where are those that will let God set their life on fire who are not interested in getting another thousand people to think they're awesome? but who will sit with God until God says, that man is my friend. That woman is my friend. Wherever they go, I'll make the world tremble when they show up because they love me. The life of a prophet is supposed to be so spent in the face of God that God eventually. I love the fact that we spend all of our time with the songs that we have now and we sing about, I am a friend of God. No, you're really not. Everybody runs around calling themselves a friend of God. God was very peculiar on who he called his friend. You are a child of God. He loves you as a child, but he called certain people his friends. Not everybody is God's friend. He said, you are my friend because you do what I've asked you to do and you've made room for me. Are you making room? Do you do what he says to do? Are you making space for him? Everybody who receives him, you're his child. But a friend is someone who says your will is the only thing I'm interested in. And I'm going to do your will if it costs me my life, I'm going to do your will. There was only a handful of people in the Bible he called friends. Are you his friend? I want to be. But before you run around calling yourself a friend, make sure you know what that's going to cost you. Because if you say you're his friend, he's going to show up and ask you, put your life on the line then. Serve me without complaining then. Stand up in front of 10,000 people who hate me and stand there and say, fire going to fall from heaven before I move. Come on, Elijah, let's see what you got. You say you his friend, then go on in Egypt and tell them that they're coming out and see how they treat you then. If you're his friend, show your friendship. <sighs> this year is going to be a year where we find out who his friends are. <laughs> hey, Woo. As I, you know, we, we would say as I was growing up, sookie, sookie now. We're going to find out. <laughs> the Lord said to me, I'm going to release in the nations the prophets I have hidden for myself. This year, God is about to raise up and some of you are in this house. There are some of you, as I look out over, there are some prophets in this house. You need to hear me when I say this. I'm not blowing smoke. Y'all know me well enough to know if I don't like you, I love you, but I don't like you. I mean, just, I don't lie to people. I'll hug you, but I'm not coming to your house for a meal. I'm not trying to hang out. I know you don't like God. You don't like people. That's all right. I pray I see you in heaven, but until then, move on with yourself. But some of you, I look out over you. (laughs) (laughs) Some of y'all getting nervous. Y'all like, is that me? Probably. But there are some in this house right now, you are prophets of God. And I don't say that loosely. I don't say that like a lot of times we throw that term around. There are some in this room that you are called by God to become a voice in your generation to bring forth the word of God. And let me be clear on this. The word prophet doesn't just mean to speak out. The word prophet means to speak or to sing by inspiration. That which only God revealed. Carly is a prophet. I mean, I'm sure I'm y'all know that, but Carly is a prophet. I've known that from the first time I ever saw her. She is a flat foot prophet, because when she opens her mouth, when she opens her mouth to worship, it is a change in the atmosphere that is indelible. That is the life of a prophet. Connie is a prophet When Connie opens her mouth and begins to speak stuff in the atmosphere shifts and it moves See it's not just that you have to say and the Lord would say by the song of the Lord Mm. So this year God is going to begin to raise up new worship new praise new teachings there has to be a release of new poetry new music that is going to reset the atmosphere and cause a generation to begin to know God in a fresh way because God is found in the sound. Now, this is why this is important. When you look at Habakkuk and he says a prayer of Habakkuk, when this prayer that he prays, what is his prayer? His prayer is a revelation of the nature of God. What is it? It's praise. His prayer is his praise. I want you to get that. His prayer is his praise. This year we've entered into, and there's so much the Lord has spoken prophetically about different nations, and we're going to release all that. Most of that we'll just have to drop tomorrow as we dig into it because, whew, I can't believe it's after 8 o'clock already. But we have to understand something that's unique. The life of a prophet is two things. Your prayer is supposed to equal your praise and your praise should sound like your prayer. I'm going to say that again. Your prayer should equal your praise and your praise should sound like your prayer. In other words, up out of your spirit, how you talk to God, how you make God look in front of people, how you magnify God and Dignify him. All of that should be the fullness of your praise life, but it should be the foundation of your prayer life. So that when you're talking to God about God, you should always make God understand through your words that you see him as the supreme, sovereign, unstoppable unchallenged unbreakable force in the universe that no one can ever replace you or challenge your rule. Your throne sits alone. Your rule is unbroken. Your name cannot be stopped by any power in the worlds that we have ever known. And in the heavens above, you alone rule on your throne. Underneath the world, you alone have power supreme. In the earth around me, you alone have the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Before me, there was no one like you. After me, there'll be no challenge with you. You alone are God. When you settle that in your spirit, your praise changes. And when you understand that about his nature, your prayer changes. So that until that is clear in your mind, your prayers do not produce. This is all essential because the reason the church has not been advancing, go back to the Bible It is not that we lost an understanding of his power. It is not that we lost an understanding of his glory. It is that we stopped believing what we said from our lips had power in heaven. He said when you stand to pray believe that what you say will produce. We have stopped believing that when we pray something is going to happen. They said to Jesus. The one thing we see about you that is unstoppable, when you go to pray, something happens. So teach us to pray. This year must be the year where we recover the art of prayer. I'm not talking about all these prayer meetings that we have going on from one end of the nation to the other where nothing happens. Everybody meets and nothing changes. We're quoting the same scriptures and nothing changes. We're praying for the city and the city don't change. We're praying for our kids and nobody gets saved. That is worthless prayer. If prayer never produces, it had no power. And somehow we forgot this. Prayer is not just you talking to God. That's the biggest lie that we've been told. That prayer is just you talking to God. Whatever you want to say, you can just say. So just whatever, as you're driving along, just talk to God. It's prayer. That ain't prayer. That's a soliloquy. Prayer is a conversation by which God responds. If heaven don't respond, it wasn't prayer. Woo! saints getting quiet now. Ooh, I'm trying to help us get breakthrough. Some of y'all know, we talk about this, Debbie. One of the reasons I love Debbie Smith, I love, 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 love Debbie and Gary Smith. Because one, they're just family. But two, when Debbie prays, stuff happens. You know, you have to know not to ask Debbie to pray. Because if you ask Debbie to pray, she's going to pray. And if Debbie prays, it's going to happen. Now, I'm not just saying this. I know if I get to praying on something, it's going to happen. I'm convinced. And that's not guesswork. I'm not hoping. Because if it's not God's will and he reveals it, I'm not going to pray it. I'm going to leave it alone. But if I lay out before God to pray, something's going to change. That I know. Well, I learned that from my mother and my grandmother and my daddy. I watched them lay on the floor and they would tell you, you give me three days and let me fast and pray. And it's going to change. And it would change. So I grew up with people who didn't pray as something they did to feel better. They prayed to change the atmosphere. So there's an art to prayer. There's a lifestyle to prayer. But there's also rules to prayer. You don't start praying if you have unforgiveness in your heart. Get that mess dealt with. You don't pray and slander. Whoever you're praying for, you cannot then criticize after you pray or you kill your own intercession. You cannot have a clean prayer and a dirty heart. So anything that's in your heart that's unclean, you have to deal with it before you pray. He says, when you stand to pray, if you have anything in your heart, get rid of it then. So there is an art to prayer. In this coming year, we must learn again the art to prayer because we have become a nation of prayerful people that see no results. Everybody's praying and nobody getting answers. And we've become okay with that. Because we treat prayer as an exercise rather than an assignment. So we've got to learn again how to pray. So what does that mean? I'm going to make this simple. That means you have to get rid of all the pride. The reason we can't see great breakthrough in prayer is because most of us are too prideful. We come into prayer meetings convinced we know how to pray. So if anybody's trying to lead us, our arrogance gets in the way. When somebody says, just follow me for a minute. Uh Uh-uh, I know how to pray because I've read 10 books on prayer and I've been to the prayer conference and they told me how to pray and every time I pray. And so we make all the noise we need to make to make our soul feel better, but we get no miracle. Because we've been conditioned to believe that prayer is the noise we make rather than the answer we get. And it's hard to teach people how to pray who are convinced in believing they're good at praying. It's like trying to teach somebody who knows how to cook and they just the worst cook in the world. They just awful. <laughs> just God, no, they ain't never put salt in nothing. Ain't afraid of pepper, won't use no seasoning. And then they bring you the food and go, ain't this good? And you're like, oh no. That's why I love Rhonda. Rhonda knows she know how to cook. Every time Rhonda sends me food, I get happy. I just dance around my house. I'm just in my house going, hallelujah, hallelujah. Just chips and salsa, I just, she sent me chips and salsa one time, Cruz dropped it off and I, I ate so many chips before I sat it down. I'm talking about between the door and the table. That I, it looked like somebody had been shot in my house, just had a little line of red just salsa dripping all the way to the table. Just (laughs) I almost called CSI. I'm like, I got blood all the way across my (laughs) foot. Now, why is that important? You cannot learn what you're not humble enough to ask for. Humility is the beginning of learning in this hour that we're in, in this new year, we have to admit to God what we don't know and ask God to teach us. Say, Lord, I want to learn how to pray. I've been praying, but I'm not seeing answers. So teach me. Get rid of the pride. Oh my goodness. Okay. Are y'all all all right? All right. I got to let y'all go home. One of the greatest things that ever happened to me was, I was saying this the other night, the Lord did something for me. We started doing prayer classes years ago in Orange County. We were doing these meetings, and at the height, we grew to 172 people that were coming. We had 172 people in our prayer meetings. <laughs> Out of those prayer meetings, we were seeing blind eyes open and people were coming from all across the state. I mean, they were driving from all across the state. We had people who would fly down from the Bay Area down to Orange County just to be there once a month in our prayer meetings. People started writing books. We have books that were dedicated. I have them on my shelf. I'll bring them. People wrote books in our prayer meetings. We would tell them, bring their notebooks and just write whatever they heard from God. They wrote entire books in the meetings. There were ministries that were birthed there. We laid hands on people and licensed people to do ministry. We have churches that were birthed out of that. Eight churches birthed out of those meetings. We founded churches in different parts. Y'all don't even know that we founded churches. We've helped build schools. We done done stuff. I don't even talk about it. Stuff we've done done. By the goodness of God. Because I just want to help folk. But I laugh. And I was saying to Sandra the other day, I said, folk in this valley don't know what we've done. I said, I do my best to just come in and help. I said, but if if you knew what we've done, you might listen a little better. And so you realize, (laughs) you realize that prayer is the foundation of all things. God will speak to anybody who will listen, and He'll work with anybody that obeys. You don't have to be skilled, just be obedient. You don't have to be a genius. Just listen to him. You don't have to be the deepest in the room. Just be willing to tell God, yes. God will put favor on your life. Favor can do for you what everybody cannot give you. You don't need money. God will open doors. You don't need a thousand people to back you up. God can send you to one city and in one city, you can preach to more people in a year than you'd ever find in your lifetime. All you need to do is obey him. The beauty of obedience and the beauty of his presence is wherever obedience is found, favor will come. And so in this season, I hear the Lord say, this year, the Lord told me, help my people, give them tools and help them find what they're missing so they can have breakthrough. That's my assignment this year. My assignment this coming year is to help you do your assignment to help you reach your destiny. To every one of you that God has told you to go to nations or in this nation, reach a certain group or touch someone's life, we wanna help you do it. And whether you're in this valley or in some other part of the nation, we wanna help you do it. Why? Because I would rather help 10 people change the world than 1,000 people do nothing. It's the season where we've got to help people do their calling. Your assignment matters. Your assignment is just as important to God as mine. Your calling matters as much as mine ever has. And we have to help you get there. Because too many in this room and too many who are watching, you've been held hostage by everybody else too long. People have given you 50 reasons why you're not ready and 100 reasons why you can't do it yet. And God didn't tell you any of that. And so it's time where we've got to help you do what God's called you to do. People say all the time, well, how do you know they're ready? How do you know you were ready? You just obey God. It's time for us to just help you obey God. That's my assignment. We're going to help you obey God. And if you stumble, we'll help you get back up. And if you miss it, we'll help you find where you missed it. And if you blow it, well, there's nine other ways to make it right the next time. Because guess what? I missed it a few times along the way. I blew it several times. We're going to stop shackling you with unrighteous expectations that nobody ever put on us. But we somehow put on all of you. That's not my assignment in this next season. This next season, he said, son, help them do what I've called them to do. That's what I want you to do. The Lord told me, go back through your whole calendar and strip down everything I didn't tell you to do and cancel it. And spend your time helping others find their destiny. That's what he said to do. We still have not even touched on the rest of these prophetic words. We'll get into it tomorrow. We'll release it all. I hope this is okay for tonight. I hope this was a blessing. I'm going to end by saying this the most amazing thing about the Hebrew word for this year is what it means is to pluck out all the feathers to strip the offering so that all can be exposed to the sun so that any impurities can rise to the surface the word is only found one time in the bible and it's found in this passage of Habakkuk and it shows up as the word naked where it says the bow was made quite naked that word naked means to strip away the feathers and lay bare to the sunshine so that in the sunshine impurities can be exposed That's what this last season has been about, that's what this year is about, that's what many of you, since the last few months, you feel like you've been in a chrysalis. You feel like you've been under pressure. You feel like everything in your life has been crushing you and you don't know why because you're in a season where God is stripping away everything he never gave you. And he's exposing you to the light of the sun. So that in the light of Jesus, every impurity that you have picked up in your life can slowly be drawn out of you so that you can become holy and pure in the presence of God. It's been a painful season, but it's a purification season. It's the season where everything you've asked God to do, he's doing. And now is not the time to say, Lord, stop. Because it's painful in the sunshine. When God is pulling stuff out of you. It's painful when everybody in your house is saying, why are you acting so mean or acting like this? And you're going, I don't know why I'm acting like this because God has laid you bare. He's exposing you. I don't know why my nerves are on edge because God is exposing I don't know why I feel like everything is getting on my nerves because God is exposing I don't know why I feel like my faith is so weak because God is exposing you. You're not weak, you're not giving up, you're not failing. You're in a season where God is trying to take you to another level of purification and it just feels raw, it feels exposed. It feels like the nerves are too tender but it's not that you failed. You didn't miss it, you didn't mess up. God is taking you deeper than you've ever been and the only way to take you deeper, he has to expose you his presence and in the light of his presence some of you have been fighting with family not getting along with co-workers your nerves are just on edge and you don't know why it's not your fault God is exposing you so he can show you what's hiding inside you so he can deliver you from you and it is beautiful it's uncomfortable it's unpleasant but it's beautiful because he has decided you are a worthy sacrifice he only exposes to the sunshine that which he's already decided is a worthy sacrifice. That means he saw inside of you enough gifting, enough glory, enough purity, enough holiness, enough Christ that he said you can survive the season of exposure. And because I know there's great glory in you, I'm going to let you feel exposed for a while. So that I can cause maturity to rise up. So that I can reveal in you the full weight of my glory. So I say to some of you, take heart. It's been weary, but take heart. It's not over. Take heart. You're not going to fail. You're not going back. You feel weary, but you're not giving up. You're not going back to all the stuff that tried to break you. You feel like I overcame this before and why am I going through it again? You're going through it again because this time he's taking out stuff you didn't know was there last time. But oh, when it's over. Job said, when I am tried, I shall come forth as pure gold. You're coming out of this better than you went in. (laughs) Hey, he's a mighty God. And he's a good God. He's a wonderful God. Oh my goodness. Okay. Let's stand together. We got to get out of here. I promise you. Some of you, you're thinking, oh, but I, I need, we didn't forget you. The Lord has already spoken. Some of you, you came thinking I need a word in the word. There was a word. And if you listen to the word, there's been a word for everybody in this place. You can pick something and say, That was for me. Oh, he's a good God. We're going to do something real simple. I want you to find somebody that you didn't come with. Oh, bless you. Find someone you didn't come with. And I want you to grab them and we're going to take a moment and pray for somebody. Find somebody you didn't come with.